Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. As always, thank you for joining me on this sports podcast. Hope you're doing well out there, wherever you may be. We've got a lot to talk about on this show. It was another great championship Sunday in the NFL. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Kansas City Chiefs punched their tickets to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady going to his record setting, record extending, I should say, 10th Super Bowl. Mahomes going back to back trying to repeat as champs. We talk about how they did that with Ryan Soles on the show, what it means for the Packers losing another NFC Championship game, Aaron Rodgers' future, some questionable decisions by them, how the Bucks were able to defeat them, and on the other side, the Chiefs go down early and then just turn on the Jets, their offense hitting their stride, the recap of the Bills season. We talked to Ryan about his Eagles hiring a new coach and a big QB offseason that's going to see a lot of moves from retirements of players wanting out and getting their wish. A lot to discuss with Ryan Souls in the world of the NFL. It's the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, down to two. The NFL season has reached the final two teams. We're getting up for another Super Bowl. Ryan Souls joining the show now. Ryan, thanks for coming on. It's uh, always fun, always a little bittersweet to talk the end of the football season, but for a league that's so much storyline driven, this is about as good as we could have asked for. Yeah, man. I mean, we had a league quarterback play, at least on paper. And, you know, you really can't complain. We had some great storylines. We still got another one continuing with Tom Brady, but he's doing it his age. And So, no, I mean, I don't think you could ask for anything else. The NFL played every game with with a pandemic going on. Nothing happened with the playoffs. So, I mean, it's as good as you can ask for. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think the final matchup, which we're going to get into, is just phenomenal for <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Um, we got no Final Four teams that we talked about that really was a great combination. You had the three best regular season quarterbacks this year, and you had the greatest quarterback of all time were the Final Four. You had a one and two on the in the AFC, the two clearly best teams in the AFC. You had the best team in the NFC, and you had a team that was you know peaking at the right time. So you had all the storylines there, and every combination for the Super Bowl would have been special. Uh, we did get Tampa Bay and Kansas City, and it started with that NFC Championship game, uh, the first game of the day with the Bucks winning on the road, winning uh, another road playoff game, their third this time, to advance to the Super Bowl. A lot to go at in this game, Ryan, and starting with, what I think was a very, very poor performance by Green Bay. And I'll start out by saying this. This was a team that I still think had an advantage in a lot of areas over Tampa Bay. Props to how they fought. We'll, we'll talk about Brady in a second. But it was a couple plays here. There was a couple key sequences. End of the first half, some coaching decisions late, as we all know, and just not making plays and having busts in coverage and getting beat up on third down. That really spelled doom for this team. It was a collective choke, if that makes sense. Yeah, man, I, I agree 100%. And I think the big portion of the choke job really goes on that coaching staff. I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't play his MVP caliber level of football, but I thought he played well enough to win the game. Devontae Adams drops that back shoulder pass in the end zone. And then from there, the floor just kind of d- destroys the game. You... 
And, you know, people want to blame Mike Patton for what happened at the end of the half, but as the head coach, you got to make sure that the call is going in, that you don't get beat over your head. Like, you know what they're going to do. There's only one option with that time left on the clock, and you can't let that happen. I think that is even more egregious to me than the field goal attempt because the last basically 30 seconds of the second half or the first half and the first four minutes of the second half just ended the game for Green Bay and Green Bay fought hard to get, you know, to get back in and to make it competitive. But the game was lost right there. And that, you know, Aaron Rodgers could have played better. Like I said, losing Aaron Jones in the middle of that game hurt too. But I put a lot of this on the floor and petting, man. Well, since, uh, and I partially agree with you, and I guess we can part, go right to the part where I fully agree with you, and that's the end of the, you know, the last time they had the ball. That was a horrendous decision. I mean, it makes no, no sense not to go for it there. I mean, yeah, it looked like on the third down play, Rodgers might have been able to run. I'm not really big on those screenshots because it doesn't tell the full story. It would have been close, but you still have Aaron Rodgers. It's fourth down, and you still need a touchdown either way. Ryan, I think that's the big thing. They were very fortunate they even got the two-minute warning because the Tampa Bay kick returner slipped. But be that as it may, I mean, I, well, you have to go for it there with Aaron Rodgers because a field goal, you still need a touchdown. Like, it didn't even make it a three-point game. Well, and if you want the two-minute warning, kick it out of the end zone. Like, make sure the yeah. guy can return mm-hmm. it because then, what, there's 2.08 left on the clock and they have to – then Tampa has to run the football. But – when you give it to them with, I think it was like 203 or 202, then they can be more aggressive. And then, you know, the other thing I'll say too is you saw how the defensive line beat them up in the first game in the regular season. Vita Veas coming back. You see how effective he was when he was out there. I just don't understand how you leave your backup left tackle and the other right tackle in one-on-ones against Shaq Barrett and JPP. I just I don't understand how you do that. Yeah, and you know, the more I think about this too, uh, Ryan, it, it comes down to, like you said, like the coaching side of it, of just being in charge, because that's where I think LaFour really did kind of lose it. The Petten play or, or the play at the end of the uh, end of the half, I mean, the quarter got beat, and it was terrible. Now, you we can argue that it, it should have been a better defense. You should have prepared yeah, for that. But yeah, it was just back him up because it, nothing else beat you except a touchdown. I don't care if he gets down to the one. There's only a second left. It runs out. I don't want to rip on Scotty Miller either, but like you know, you should not be getting beat on just a straight go route by a guy who's essentially the third or fourth receiver, regardless of what the defense is. My opinion. I agree. I agree. But the more, you know, and you bring up the Bucks defense, and they were the unsung heroes in this game. Brady was great in the first half and made some clutch throws when he needed to, and Fournette was, was running great. But it was that Bucks defense that really got after it, and it was a much maligned unit. I think this was the first game you saw Batiari really be missed on that O-line because they didn't really notice it before. But by the second half of this game, the big difference to me too, Ryan, is three picks for Brady in the second half, no points as a result. And that's, I think, because Rodgers, for the first time maybe all season, just didn't have time. Yeah, um, you know, you and I, he didn't have time. And listen, man, when you got Vita Vea and, and Dominican Sue, who both can command double teams, and then you got two backup tackles and one on ones against two really good pass rushers, you're just asking for your quarterback to get killed. 
And you would just you would think that the floor would have put a tight end over there and said, okay, we're not gonna let him block him one on one anymore because JPP's killing us. We're we're gonna do something to so Aaron can get the ball out quicker, so the receivers can make some plays. Cause I, I think it was just it played right into what Todd Bowles wanted to do. It did. It definitely did. Uh, looking at you know the other side of the ball, which I want to get to, is the first half. Brady was remarkable on offense. How many times did that Packers defense get burned on third down? I mean, oh. that's just, and, and that's where I that's where I said I partially agree with you because I you know before did not coach well. Patton was struggling, but the players had chances to make plays in this game. They did, and they didn't do it. I mean, that's where it's it comes down to me. If you get a couple stops on the in the first half on third down. Green Bay could have easily been in a position to be winning in this in this game going to the second half, and then you know who knows what happens. Yeah, and really Brady got picked three times, but it could have been four or five. Yep. Some tip balls and guys not getting their hands on it. So no, you're right. Aaron Rodgers, I think, turned the ball over one time. Uh, I think there was a fumble, and Green Bay, I think, got two touchdowns out of it. And Tom Brady turns it over three times, and Green Bay gets six points. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was unfortunate, and, and you know the call at the end of the game is going to take a lot of flack. Um, here's all I'll say about that: it was by letter of the law a penalty. The jersey grab was pretty obvious. Uh, there was some selling, I think, involved in that. The issues that I think are justifiable criticism are that flag came in super late. I mean, that was about as late of a flag on a on a holding call, which should have been called immediately. It does not matter if it's interference. It's it should be thrown immediately before the ball even hits the ground. The other side of it too, Ryan, is that they did let them play all day. There was very few, if any, calls on the outside. One on the Rodgers pick at the end of the first half, which could have been called but was not. So I get that criticism where it's a it, it's a penalty in the moment for sure, but in the course of the game it kind of did stand out. Yeah, and I just feel like when that flag is thrown, it's just... I think dictates a lot of how it was viewed because I agree with you. You throw that immediately and you know me personally, I'm all for letting them play. And I feel like the second thing though is consistency and you got to call it all the same. But I think what the refs weren't calling early on was a lot of hand fighting and a little bit of hooking we saw a jersey pool, and to me, that's different. You know, I, if you want to let the guys hand fight, it's physical, it's a playoff game, right. that's one thing. But if if it's I'm egregiously, you're you're the receiver trying to get away from me, and I'm pulling on your jersey before the ball gets there, that's pass interference. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, I do think, though, that Green Bay fans are going to have a, a qualm with that and I think it's a lot based on that pick that you know they didn't get the call which wasn't as egregious as a penalty but you know looked like it should have been called on the uh, pass in the first half but you know Green Bay had their chances they didn't make it and uh you know Ryan the Bucks did it was uh, let's be honest Devontae Adams catches that ball that touchdown in the first quarter we might be having totally different there's five or six plays that could have swung this game that's the beauty of football Tampa Bay came out on top when they needed to. And Brady in the first half was just incredible. I mean, we're going to talk about his accolades here in a second. But, Ryan, all the third down plays he made, all the big throws, uh, moving in the pocket, throwing that his his arm is still very live going downfield. 
I mean, he he got them. This was the worry, right? All week was that they're going to go up to Lambeau. It's going to be a big moment. They're kind of, you know, they've spent a lot of energy getting this far that they might get blitzed in the first half. They went the complete other way around. They said, we're going to get out to a big league, and Brady was a huge part of that. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady this time of year. I don't care who he's playing for. Yeah, it's 43 years old. I I do want to give credit to Fournette, though. A a great job by him. I mean, he is somebody that, you know, was kind of an afterthought for most of this year. Uh, But he's stepped up and turned into a beast and shown some spring in his step that I don't think we've seen since LSU. But with Brady right. with with Brady with that defense and now Fournette rolling, I mean, <laughs> it's not he that surprising. He didn't even have to get out of Florida. He just had to get out of Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a simple simple drive to uh, to paradise for him. Uh, Ryan, yeah, we're looking at Brady now. Ten Super Bowls. I mean, he's played in now. It'll be eighteen percent of I think all Super Bowls ever have been played in by Tom Brady. That's just insane. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> There's nothing else to say, and you know I know you and me agree that Jim Brown is the greatest football player ever. The time is different, the era is different, but man, if he somehow wins this and gets the seven Super Bowl, no NFL player even comes close to that. I think Charles Haley has five. Man, this is this is starting to be one of those things where we talk about the athlete transcending the sport he plays and. At 43 years old, I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, there's never been a more accomplished football player ever. So if you're going to use the GOAT title with that context, I fully agree. I mean, it's it's insane. Uh, now with as many NFC championship, game, championship victories as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees as well. Uh, yep. Just doing it in one year. Uh, but no, I mean, this is as big game of a football of, a, of an athlete, I think we can even throw out a football player, as we've seen. The guy just gets it done, as you said, this time of year and in the clutch. And uh, I, I do think part of the credit that needs to go t- is to guys like Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich for kind of letting him, letting Brady, I don't want to say hijack, but having his fingerprints more on the offense. Because this was a rocky relationship early in the year. But, you know, they trust each other now. Absolutely. I mean, it, let's be honest. It should have been like that. You know, from the beginning, you're right. You, you're right, but but you have to kind of. I mean, it's it's tough to just be like, all right, here we go. Like Tom Brady wasn't always in their four plans, and now it's like, here you go. Here's the greatest of all time. Make it work. Like I get where it could be tricky out of the gate. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And I, they, like you said, they seem to have gotten it figured out now. And the biggest thing I thought was they were going to have a, an embarrassment of riches problem, really the opposite of what he had offensive talent wise in New England, and. It seems now that they've got everything, you know, everybody on the same page. That doesn't seem to be a problem at all. They'll have Antonio Brown coming back for the Super Bowl, which is yet another weapon that Kansas City's going to have to defend. So, you know, we always say it's about streaking, getting hot at the right time, and Tampa has definitely, you know, been no different. Well, I hate to be the, you know, going to the sad area of this, but does this game impact how you're going to look at Aaron Rodgers? I mean, because now the numbers are starting to add up in the wrong way for him. He's probably going to win another MVP, but, you know, one in four now in NFC Championship games, losing his last four. He's going to be 38 next year. I mean, it's time's not on his side either. So, you know, man, it's it's always hard looking at it like this because, you know, I think when we get away from it, we just start looking at, the paper stats and just seeing what happened and what didn't happen. I think when you look at this closely, 
Aaron Rodgers would definitely like to have some of the plays back, but that organization has really relied on him to carry them a lot of the way. And I think that just done everyone who's a Green Bay fan who works in an organization a disservice. He hasn't always really ever had a, a great defense. At least Brett Favre got to play with guys like Reggie White and Charles Woodson and, you know, some other great defensive players. I'm not saying that none of it is on Aaron because some of it is. I think that organization has done him a disservice. But to answer your question, yeah, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, if he never wins a Super Bowl, we're going to say, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, we you can't consider him one of the great. I mean, you can, you know, he's in that. He's in the top 10, but it's yeah. a matter of like people think that well, with the arm strength and, and the gifts he has that he should be a top three or four. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I think uh, and there is time for him to win another Super Bowl or two. I think he's got, you know, a lot of football left in him. But I also do think that, you know, he's starting to, you know, he's always kind of been, a, and I say this, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek, he's always been a little bit dramatic, but it's starting to weigh on him more. You know, they took a quarterback, and he's starting to kind of show his frustration, but still one of the best. Well, that was the NFC, uh, the Bucks going to the Super Bowl, and then we saw not a close game in the second one with the Chiefs handling business over the Bills, 38-24. They dropped down 9 nothing early and then just went went on a fun ride to the AFC title. Uh, it was uh, another game where Patrick Mahomes, we weren't sure what we were going to get based on the concussion the week before, the toe injury. Turns out we got the best quarterback in football, and we got uh, Kelsey unguardable, Hill, Hardman, everybody involved, Daryl Williams, the rookie, Ryan. It was an embarrassment of riches for the Kansas City offense and a reminder that when this team's rolling, they might truly be unstoppable. 100%, but, you know, I just want to talk about the Bills for a second because yeah. I was I was disappointed in the the game plan here, especially for how they were going to play the Chiefs on offense. And I, I'm not saying that there's a recipe for for stopping an offense as dynamic or players as dynamic as Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, but and not everybody wants to look at the New England blueprint and try to do things the same way, but. Why do we consistently let Tyreek Hill eat without getting touched at the line of scrimmage? Why are you letting Travis Kelsey get free releases? It just seems like the Chiefs, against anyone else who's not named New England, can come out and play their game plan. And (laughs) most most times than not, they're going to beat you. You, They're never forced to play – uh, left-handed, so to speak. I, you know, yeah. and and I I agree with that. I do think though we got we got to give props to Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's the fastest player maybe the league's ever seen, and, oh, and it's tough. I think that the Bills' strategy, I think offensively they didn't get it done. I think defensively they were, you know, they were dealt with a very tough task. And I thought it started okay in in the sense of if they're gonna score, make them go on long drives. You know, and I think that's how Belichick beat them in that AFC title game a couple years ago. He kind of made he limited the possessions in the game. You know, they, they came up with big plays on the defense, and they really were able to kind of escape with that win. I think Buffalo was let down by the fact that Allen didn't have a great game, and, and the Bills O line didn't have a great game. I mean, the Chiefs you can run the ball on them, but with Zach Moss out, the Bills you know were were not really afforded that luxury, and and they didn't really protect Allen as well as they should. And he just didn't play well. I thought. 
Ryan, I thought the best line of uh, the of the broadcast by far was when Tony Romo said at the end of the game, the difference in this game is, you know, Mahomes is just so much further along in Josh Allen and reading his progressions. And we know about the gifts, but he's just so much more along being an NFL quarterback, understanding what's coming at him, what the defenses are going to play, what to read. And Allen very well may get there. But at this point, you know, having gotten to this point for the, for the first time in his career, he wasn't quite there yet. And I think that on the offensive side is where the Bills were let down. A hundred percent. And, you know, just to speak to the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, this is, you know, now a little bit more experienced Patrick Mahomes, not the, the AFC championship pressure. I think really it's just off. He's been here. It's the third straight year they've hosted this game. <laughs> so I think he can just go out and play yeah. football. I don't think he's thinking about it in, in a large, grandiose way anymore. And I think that's huge. And I think that's big for Andy Reid, too. You know, I think winning gave them all a little bit of confidence. And with all that speed that they have on offense, that's dangerous, man. I'll tell you what else gave them a lot of confidence. The fact that they're probably the best team. uh, They're probably the team that's least rattled when they're down. Like double digits or close to it. I mean, against that means nothing. (laughs) They can score 24 points in 20 minutes. Yeah, that's happened the last two years now. Uh, the last two years, I think last year, every game they won in the playoffs, they were down by double digits, including the Super Bowl. And Ryan, the thing this year that they learned was that they're great in close games. I mean, everybody talked about how they haven't you know, covered the spread in a lot of their games until this one. But what I saw was a team that's winning a lot of close games and just knows that you know when the chips are down, when adversity strikes, when other teams and players might tense up, they're able to still play relaxed and make plays. So... Uh, I, I thought the Bills were in a moment that was too big for them. It's the cliche, but for a Bills team that battled with their own injuries, that got the ultra, ultimate progression from Josh Allen, I think it's still a great year, and it's you know it's a tough ending. It's kind of like what the Browns are going through. Tough ending, but you look back at this year and you say, wow, you know we, we accomplished so many things. The Bills got to the AFC title game, which hadn't happened since they played the Chiefs you know, 25-plus years ago. Yeah, and I think they got the recipe, you know, they got it built right to to keep moving forward so long that Josh Allen keeps improving. If he keeps doing that, this team is going to be relevant and dangerous for a long time. They can always help to um, re-up on the defense and some of those guys might want to get paid. Some of them are getting a little older too, so it never hurts to, you know, to look to strengthen what they already have going over there, but as long as Josh Allen keeps progressing, they're going to be good for a long time. And I think Bill's fan, Bill's mafia, as they call them, yeah, got to, they're going to be okay. And props to Cole Beasley too. I know you saw this; he was playing on basically a broken tibia, so yeah. he was just gutting <laughs> he, it out. From week sixteen, he played <laughs> broken tibia. That's insane. Yeah, and then and, and the flip side of that was horrible to see what happened to Eric Fisher, torn Achilles in that game, not going to be able, obviously, to play in the Super Bowl, which will be a big loss. Uh, Ryan Soul's Money Mitch effect. Uh, just some initial thoughts on that Super Bowl before we talk to some other NFL stuff. You get Brady Mahomes. You get the the GOAT versus the guy that people think might have a chance to come up on his legacy. It's going to be certainly tough, but you know this is a dream matchup in terms of a storyline because you have – the, the present and I guess the past, but also still the present in this Brady Mahomes matchup. So of course you have that, Ryan. You also have the Bucks hosting a Super Bowl. The first time that's officially happened in all four, 54 Super Bowls. Well, you know the crazy thing to me is I think we all forget 
how personal Tom Brady takes these things. And I don't know if you remember this, but last year the Super Bowl in Miami and Tom was on the sidelines and he said, next time he ain't going to be in a, a coat and tie on the sidelines. Yeah. It was Mahomes who kept him from getting to the Super Bowl last year. And I think Tom hasn't forgot. I think, I think the Chiefs uh, are just built more equipped for this game than the Bucks are. But I think we're going to see uh, Tom Brady go crazy because he knows what's at stake. And I think every year that chip's going to get bigger because he ain't getting younger. And that'll be the storyline every year until he retires. Yeah, I mean, the the Chiefs open up as a slight favorite, about three and a half points, and I think you can understand why they're they're so loaded with weapons. And the defense, which we didn't really talk about, is played a lot better, especially in the secondary. Yeah. Um, where there is an opening, that Fisher injury, Ryan, it, it sucks for the Chiefs, but it also you know feeds right into what Tampa can do is get pressure on you with Barrett up front, with White, with Sue, who's been looking better as well. So there, there's some opportunities there. I think having you know Antonio Brown will be back. Le'Veon Bell, one of those former ex Steelers, is going to get a ring, which is interesting. But the Chiefs are bringing back enforcements. They had a Lair back who was starting to kind of get his footing. We'll have two weeks to get ready with Le'Veon Bell. I'm just excited to see. I'm not ready to make that prediction just yet. But there's a lot of fun toys on both offenses, and you know I think it will ultimately come down to who can get a couple of stops because I would expect points in this Super Bowl. Yeah, I think you expect a lot of points. I think both teams are going to try to play a little bit of time of possession just because of the potency of the other offense. But this very well could be a game of whoever has the ball last wins. Well, I can't wait to see it, uh, Ryan. We're going to you know, not exactly preview it right now. Still a lot of time to digest that. But before I let you go, I had a couple of things I wanted to ask you about You know, stuff going on in the NFL. And uh, no one will look ahead to the offseason just yet, but I think the quarterback position is going to have more movement than we've seen maybe ever. Maybe if I don't say ever, it's definitely in the last you know, 10, 15 years. But this is shaping up with Rivers retiring, with Stafford basically wanting out and getting that demand. Uh, we'll see where he ends up. With Deshaun Watson basically demanding out, and the Texans might be playing a game of chicken right now with him. We're going to have some big movement this year. A lot of rookies coming in, a lot of vets on the move. How do you see some of this shaking out? Man, I think it's going to be crazy because, you know, we're talking about the the unprecedented QB carousel, but on the other side of that, a lot of teams actually need quarterbacks. So I think that makes it interesting, too. It's going to be interesting to see who jousts in position. As far as Stafford goes, you know, I think the, the, the first – Two teams that come to mind are the Colts and the Patriots. I've heard ramblings about the Broncos. Uh, that they could obviously use a quarterback. But, I, you know, I think a lot of teams could get in this. But I, yeah. I'm not as first on how the cap works in terms mm-hmm. of signing these guys and, and trading and who, who, who can't be moved. But you got to think Sean Payton is looking at this. So I just – I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that could happen, but when you think of Stafford, I, those two things really come to mind. Yeah, Colts jumped out at me when, when we were texting about this. Uh, and yeah, Breeze looks like he's retiring, not officially official, but it's trending that way. 
I mean, we could open it up to teams like, do the Falcons make a move? What about mm-hmm. the Niners with Jimmy G? Are, are, the, you Pan- know, the Panthers need a quarterback. The Panthers could be in the mood for in, in the move for one. And even the Rams, are they going to continue on with Jared Goff? I mean, there's just so many options there. That's why I think, you know, unless you know for sure what plan, you know, what plan A is, it's always mm-hmm. good to have that plan B. A team like the Falcons might go the route of drafting someone, maybe getting that chip under Matt Ryan like Rodgers had this year, while also mm-hmm. grooming someone because if you just you know rip that Band-Aid off, it could be tough sledding uh, for the next couple of years. I just think it's going to be fascinating. And the Watson thing seems like it's deteriorating more and more by the day. And, and I don't blame him in a lot of ways. Like the, the organization has failed him. But, Ryan, we talked about it. He signed the contract. And and this was relatively recently, so this is going to be. I, I I fear that this is going to be a messy one. Yeah, I think it's going to be messy too. And you know, we a year ago, and you would have called me crazy, but we had talked about this. I wouldn't have signed that money. I wouldn't have taken it from Houston. I would have bet on myself. Oh yeah, the the you could have done the franchise tag. Yeah, yeah. The injuries happen, and I get it, but you know. I think from Deshaun Watson, I think he's got every right to be as angry as he is, especially when you tell a guy we're gonna we're gonna involve you in the process. You tell him that to you, to his face, and then you just renege on that and don't do that without his, um, you know, without even letting him know. I, I think it's dirty. I think he should definitely feel offended. But I would and what he signed for is generational wealth, life changing, family changing wealth. But I just, I don't believe in that organization. And I just hate he's in this situation. They don't have a coach yet. They may be hiring Leslie Frazier, the enemies in the mix. There, there's a lot going on. It just seems like Watson wants out regardless. And it's hard to blame him, but uh, with that contract, it will be hard to move. Uh, and, and just wanted to offer a quick thought on uh, the retirement of Philip Rivers I don't know whether or not he's going to officially be a Hall of Famer. What I remember about Rivers, Ryan, was that he was fun to watch. He we put up you know yards on on big defenses. He was a gamer, uh, and and more than anything, this guy was a competitor. I think my my one memory of the guy is playing with the torn ACL in the AFC Championship game against the perfect Patriots. I mean, I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna miss Rivers in the game, even if he annoyed us at times, but. I just enjoyed watching him play. It was fun. It was a train wreck at times, but you know he had a blast, and I had a blast watching him. Yeah, I had a blast watching him too. If you want to know everything you need to know about Phil Rivers, number one thing, like you said, playing that AFC Championship game on one leg, and then literally just go on YouTube, go to NFL Films, and just listen to Phil Rivers mic'd up. That'll tell you everything you need to know. As far as the Hall of Fame thing goes, you know we talked about this a little bit. You know he'll. He will probably get in. If I had a vote, would I put him in? Probably not. But I'm not going to die on that hill. I think Philip Rivers had a fantastic career. I just think he suffered from playing in an era with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Big Ben, Eli, all guys who got Super Bowls while he was in the league. And he didn't. So I, I think that. That's something that has to be looked at. It's going to be a look for sure, uh, but best of luck to Phil Rivers going forward. Probably going to get into the coaching world too now with his uh, one of his many children playing high school football. Yeah, he's now, coaching so. uh, high school football. He got nine kids, man. So <laughs> He'll be there a while. Uh, yeah, I hope he has enough money saved up. because That's, that's what I'm saying. I hope they pay him well at, at <laughs> Alabama High School. Uh, 
Ryan, last thing here on the Money Mitch Effect. You got to talk about your squad firing, uh, hiring a coach since the last time I talked to you. A lot's gone on. Doug Peterson's out. In comes 39-year-old Nick Sirani, who, you know, didn't know much about other than he's a Frank Reich disciple. Actually went to Mount Union in Ohio, uh, D3 school there. But has worked his way up the coaching ranks. And uh, here he is now going back to the Philadelphia Eagles, going to the Eagles as their head coach. Ryan, I'll let you take the four, but I just want to say the first thing this said to me, Frank Reich, disciple, coaching the Eagles, they're doing this for Carson. They want to put their best foot forward with the the money situation there that is. They think they can salvage it, and this is the move that I think is going to give them the best chance to see if it is possible. That's exactly what it sounded like to me, too. To be honest, I don't know what to think of the pick yet just because, one, I don't know – where Carson's at mentally, I don't know if he's ever going to get back to that 2017 season before the injury. But two, and I think <clears throat> the thing that no one's really going to talk about, is it was between uh, Serrani and Josh McDaniels. And what I'm trying to figure out is what about Serrani? Maybe it was fit, but I, it just seems like Josh McDaniels, with the amount of experience that he had, the winning pedigree, it just seems like he would have been a better choice. So I'm interested to see what happens. Obviously, as a fan, I hope it goes well. Uh, I hope it all goes for the best. But it just seems when McDaniel's on the table, you choose a guy who, you know, you let go of because uh, Doug didn't want him, uh, and you get his disciple. I, I don't know. It was just it was strange. Yeah, I get the move in terms of you got a very, very expensive quarterback and where he's at mentally is going to be the key, but you want to see if you can get any return on that investment, Ryan. I will say I wish you and Serrani the best in this, and, and I think by all accounts he's a bright young coach, and Nick Reich's done great things with him in Indy the last couple of years. But the more I read up on your situation, I'm, I'm sensing the, the bigger problem might be above the coaching position. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Howie Roseman, to me, just Roseman doesn't had, seem like – he seems like he's in over his head for this job, and the return man, has just not been there. I don't know if it's in over his head, but when you just look at the picks he's had at receiver and who he took and who he passed on the last two years – some of just the, the decisions he's made not to revamp the defense, knowing it was getting slow, letting Malcolm Jenkins walk out the door, just yeah. a lot of weird things. Yeah, I, I I think it's it hurts worse when you target the right position and then there's just clearly better options that you could have taken. Like if you go another direction and somebody's a stud, it's one thing. But, yeah. Um, well, wish you guys the best for sure. Uh, it's going to be a busy year. We've, we're going to have seven new head coaches, and we're going to have how many new quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl again. So there's not much that changes. <laughs> Just Not much, man. The more things change, <clears throat> the more they stay the same. Ryan Souls, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. It was another fun football season. Bucks, Bucks Chiefs was not either of our Super Bowl picks, but, hey, can't win them all. No, man, you can't win them all. I think the fans are going to be in for a treat, and I think I'm in the minority here, but I think the game being in Tampa will have no bearing on anything. No. Also, yeah, good to point out there's no media day. Uh, The Chiefs aren't even getting there until two days before. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll be fans there, but a lot of them will be the vaccinated healthcare workers and, and not a full stadium, which is going to be cool to see the, the people being there that deserve to be there. But, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it could be it, – it's going to be the weirdest Super Bowl we've seen for a lot of reasons. But, you know, if you're, ever, if you're feeling weird, just remember Tom Brady's still playing in it, so it can't be that different. Exactly. <laughs> Ryan, thanks for coming on. Fun talking with you all football season, and uh, we'll be catching up soon. Thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Appreciate you, man. All right, huge thanks to Ryan Souls for hopping on today's show, and I just want to share some hockey thoughts as well with you. As teams have played about seven to eight games, if they're lucky, uh, a lot in that five to six range, and some even uh, you know, playing less in the case of the Florida Panthers and the Dallas Stars, who had some COVID issues in Carolina as well. Um, some interesting developments there. Tampa's another team that hasn't played that many games. But there's only two teams that have played at least six games that haven't lost in regulation. That's the Washington Capitals and the Montreal Canadiens. And two interesting stories there. The Capitals really do at least have the starting gates look refreshed. They lost in the bubble last year, but you know, they won the championship not too uh, long ago. So it looks like they could be, you know, gearing up for a run. A lot of Russian players headlined by Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, are not playing due to the COVID protocols breach. You don't expect them to get better when they come back in a game or two. Uh, The Canadians, biggest surprise. I whiffed on them in my prediction pick. I did not expect them to be this good uh, defensively. I mean, six games played. It's weird because we thought this would be a defense-oriented team, and, and they've given up 18 goals in their six games. So really, you know, not that defensive team they've just been scoring at an amazing clip almost five goals a game uh just coming out like gangbusters really good toronto actually leads that division the canadian division which has been amazing to watch uh with a uh, six and two record they beat calgary last night and muzzin flipped the puck right at kachuk as he was on the ground at the end and almost started a brawl uh some other developments in that division winnipeg i mean i almost completely whiffed on this division because vancouver has been struggling and edmonton just doesn't look like they have the defense again as great as McDavid is and he's been amazing uh he needs some help there other big surprise in that Honda West division it is the three teams we talked at the top with Vegas St. Louis and Colorado uh Colorado has been up and down but when they're on like last night scoring seven goals within two periods on the Sharks I think they can just smooth them smooth some things out the Blues are looking solid as always and Vegas uh, 5-1-1 losing in overtime last night to those Blues but the Kings are looking a little better as well as the Ducks you know every team is trying to keep pace in that division with Arizona uh, really struggling there uh, just quickly on the East I mentioned the the Capitals the Bruins Flyers and Penguins are all tied with nine points and you, you expect to see some movement there the Penguins defense look brutal out of the gates they've shorted up uh, the Flyers have had some clunkers in there, but they've been consistent. And Boston's finally getting some offense. But big story for me has been those Devils that are 3-2-1 and one and looking kind of exciting. I, I think that with the Islanders at six points and the Rangers really struggling out of the gate, the Devils might be that team to make a move. But could be the Sabres. Eichel scored his first goal of the year, and Taylor Hall has looked good. So they've got some young players there. This is the deepest division by far in the NHL, and I expect to see much more of that. And that Discover Central Division, we got the sponsors on there, right? You know, it's, it's Mass Mutual in the East, Honda in the West, Scotia in the North, and it's Discover in the Central. So if you feel like going to a bank, depending on your hockey team. Uh, yeah, Columbus technically is in first place, played seven games. Uh, it hasn't been pretty, 2-2-3. Two, two, uh, but the big news was the Line A trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. 
And uh, if you saw his last shift for the Blue Jackets last week, you understand why Luke Dubois had to be traded out of there. There was just no effort. He wanted out. He didn't want to be there. And I'm fine with that. You have to make a move. You get Line, who coincidentally enough was the number two pick in the same draft that Line was the that Dubois was the three. They're both great players. They both have uh, deficiencies in their game. Line is going to have to show some attention to detail to the defensive zone, but he's an elite sniper in this league. Columbus, the only way they really contend is to get some center depth. Somebody's going to have to step up, or they're going to have to make another move. But it was a step in the right direction for getting rid of the, the bad energy in the locker room and getting somebody in there who is finished along with their general manager, their goalie, a couple other players. So excited to see Patrick Line on the team as well as Roslovic, who grew up, the other piece in that deal, grew up in Columbus. So nice to see the 23-year-old come home. Tampa Bay has only played four games. I mentioned they're going to have time to run away with this division, which I expect they will. Dallas and Florida, each 3-0 out of the gate after not being able to start the season on time. So they're strong as well as we wait to see if Carolina can resume their season. That's my hockey update. And uh, thank you again for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Ryan Souls was a pleasure to have on. And uh, we're going to do more episodes of the Money Mitch Effect going forward. Got a Super Bowl preview next week. You're not going to want to miss that. A reminder that you can catch every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just type in Money Mitch Effect. It's that easy. It shows right up. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports.